Uh, here's an intro, maybe. Podcast, 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 podcast. That's the Rogue One theme from the beginning. Ah, yeah. I recognize that because I watched that movie. Yeah, it's Ooh. a good flick, don't you think? Yeah, um, I did think it was a good flick. Hi, my name is Jackson McMurray. My name is Ally McMurray. I am Satchel, just Satchel. Perfect, and this is No Nerds Allowed. I don't know why we just jumped into it. Usually we do a lot more nonsense at the beginning. Are you sure I, you're not Satchel Solo? I, like... Yeah, I'm actually Satchel Skywalker now, but thanks. all right so today we have a very special opening segment um folks at home i would like to direct you towards um (laughs) a okay uh, i would like to direct you towards the new nickelback cover of devil went down to georgia (laughs) With some backstory being that a couple of days ago, they made a weird tweet that made trending with the headline, Nickelback is up to something, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. He sure was. For two days, people were like, what is Nickelback up to? And the answer was... A metal cover of Devil Went Down to Georgia with guitars instead of violins. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Let's just, I I would love, I would love for us all to take a moment and listen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Us on, if you're listening at home later, pause the podcast. (laughs) Wherever you are, if you're listening, if you're listening to a podcast, you can listen to a song instead for a couple of minutes. Yeah, Um, you can just sit back. Watch Nickelback's The Cover of The Devil Went Down to Georgia, um, released today, <laughs> in 2020. Yeah. Uh, so. We're on the cutting edge of music. Right. I'll throw, I'll throw to you first, Satch. Your thoughts. Uh, thoughts? Um, is it wrong that I enjoyed it? No, I, not at all. Good. Because <laughs> no. I did, I did very much actually enjoy the song. I was like, I was like, this is kind of rad. I like the animation. Uh, it's weird as hell. You are the only <laughs> one who liked the animation. Cool. Glad to hear it. <laughs> I, I feel like what happened with the animation. I feel like they sat down. I imagine it's a board meeting. It's Nickelback, mm. so it was most <laughs> definitely not that. But that's just the image in my head. <laughs> And they all get down, and they're all brainstorming, and they have, like, an inspiration, like, Pinterest board. And they're right. like, alright, we're gonna get, we're, it's gonna be, like, paper craft. Like, he's, like, a puppet, and, like, the devil, and, like, we could do, like, super cool, like, cuts and stuff. Yay. And then they got, like, all the smoke and, like, the, like, limited color palette, and they're like, oh, it's gonna have, like, this paper craft aesthetic. And then they hired, like, not enough people to actually be able to do that. Right. <laughs> and then just did what they could, and then put it out today. <laughs> Back when I was living <laughs> in Helensburg, had... I used to go to an open mic night every every week usually. Mm-hmm. Um and I had both um I had both Rockstar by Nickelback and Hero by Chad Kroger 
in my heavy rotations of songs I would play on my guitar at the um, <laughs> at the open mic night. Nice. And the the tradition there was that people would get up and they would play three songs and then you would move on to the next person. Yeah. And I came I came so close to going for an all Nickelback set so many times. But <laughs> I could Yeah, but I could never get photograph into a key where I could comfortably sing it. And that's one of my biggest regrets in my life is that I it, never went for the all Nickelback performance at Old School Records. Photograph really uh, is in a weird key when you think about it. Yeah, because the thing Look about at this it... photograph! <laughs> not to get too technical on the podcast. Wow. But it's very high, and it's not a song that can easily be transposed because, like, you can't just capo it up because it requires open strings and strings way up on the neck at the same time so if you capo it up more than like three frets then you're you can't really play it Mm -hmm. and it's already tuned down a half step so you can't tune it down anymore or else the guitar will sound bad so basically i had no other option than to just fucking really try my hardest to sing as high as chad kroger can in that song and i never quite made it i never quite had the courage jackson his name is nickelback (laughs) <laughs> that, that uh, please, right. Chad Kroger was his dad's name. <laughs> My father. And he was born from the ashes of him, and oh. now he is Nickelback. You're right. So, okay. It's Nickelback uh, Skywalker, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so, okay. We should probably get into the movie because these Star Wars episodes tend to run long, and I probably shouldn't be filling up the podcast with bullshit already. With Nickelback. It's very yeah. important bullshit, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, today is our Rogue One episode. Our first Star Wars episode in a while, and I'll tell you exactly why that is. Um, it's because Adeline and Satch and I already recorded this episode, mm-hmm. um, but then I fucking beefed it and deleted all of our audio on accident. No, Jackson, you only deleted your audio, but instead of just taking one for the team and just releasing a podcast that didn't have your audio in it, you decided to just can the whole project. (laughs) I think it would be a very interesting project to just have, what were your thoughts, Jackson? (laughs) I thought so, too. (laughs) Long silence. Tell you what. We gotta do, you gotta have a bonus episode where you just record back in what you think you're saying and we just post it. (laughs) That's our Choose Your Own Adventure one. Yeah. yeah. You get get to choose Jackson for the first time. (laughs) Yeah, there's like several options of what you could be saying in this moment and you have to pick one. If we ever start a Patreon, that'll be the first thing that goes up is the the Satch and Adeline cut of Rogue One. Yeah. (laughs) so, uh, so we decided to just, like, not do a Star Wars that month, um, and we'll just come back next month, and hopefully we'll have forgotten what we talked about. Yeah. Uh, I seem to remember talking about C-3PO's ass a lot, though. We did um, do that. Because yeah. for some reason, this pod, this goddamn podcast we do... <laughs> is cursed with our guests being thirsty for C-3PO uh, 100% of the time. No, 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 no. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let me state my case. Okay. Um, I believe the, uh, I believe the shoe is on the other foot. I think you were trying to tell me that C-3PO's ass was fat, and I <laughs> heartily disagree. 
Neither Vio has that GameStop booty of nothing else. <laughs> because I think I had a false memory that C-3PO had a much more defined butt crack than he actually does. Mm, mm. And Sag did the research. <laughs> I uh, looked up pictures <laughs> yeah. of C-3PO. Found he that C-3PO's like, ass was much flatter than it was in my memory. He, like, he's got the red string connecting the pictures of all the asses of all the Star Wars robots. <laughs> yeah, it's like that scene from Always Sunny. It's just... <laughs> right. Because Keisha Rhodes... Elliot McGuire and Anastasia McAllister each said their own unprompted horny things about C3PO without communicating on this to podcast. each other. Yeah, completely I think, independently. I think, it's kind of like how elephants and mammoths evolved on two totally different yeah. continents. <laughs> Guests on our podcast just have horny things to say about C3PO. I think at a, yeah. a certain primal level, You've been sort of exposed to that enough that when we got to that point at the podcast where, you know, we would normally start talking about C-3PO and how thirsty we all are for him. Yeah. You just kind of expected me to agree. Um, Maybe. Well, it's like, they're like, all right, here's this uptight, like, nerd, like, butler guy. But it's the equivalent of just a man in a gold bodysuit. Like, that's just what he is. Like, I don't know, C-3PO's got a lot of horny energy, and I couldn't tell you where it comes from. I I'm, think it's the ass. Wait, could it come from that one scene in, like, the one animated one where he he does a strip tease and it's like... Yeah, it's that, like, that's another one. I think, I think they know he has horny energy. I think they are yeah. implicit in that one. I couldn't tell you where it comes from. I think it's because he's like, oh, master, like, all the time. I think yeah. that's a part of it. Okay, yeah, definitely. And like, so. I don't know, he's always afraid that somebody's gonna, like, decommission him. I don't know. Like, to punish, I don't know. I'm gonna stop digging this hole. <laughs> <laughs> we keep thinking about C-3PO, it's just, it's gonna, it's gonna become worse. See, it's like, I, I guess, was just like, so focused on digging, as... and then I looked up and realized that no one else had a shovel, so I think I'm gonna stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, he's so, he's so uptight. You wanna unwind him. Yeah. You wanna you you yeah. on some level you wanna make him loosen up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> With a sexual release. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I guess so. Uh. <laughs> and now that we've drawn attention to it. We're doomed to do this every Star Wars episode. I'm uncomfortable yeah. with the energy we've created in the studio today. <laughs> I'm just, I'm All worried right. because as soon as we get to K2SO, that's an actual sexy robot. You yeah, know? see, yeah. that's a robot that I get. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, then all that energy will just be like, okay, now we're just going to fuck K2SO. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we have to have a robot to point it at. Yeah, yeah. We have to that's all, why there's... I think. The sequels are bad because they don't have a sexy robot except for C-3PO when he's in there every <laughs> once in a while. Yeah, but consider the Mandalorian, the Taika Waititi robot. All right. Yes, he's very. He is he's, my favorite. No I face, two watched, guns. I haven't no face, watched that's the all Mandalorian you need. yet. Also, uh, very caring. Yeah, is he, yeah, is he protect baby eventually. or kill baby? Yeah. Well, first he's, I mean, not to spoil it, but yeah. first he's kill baby, but okay. later he's protect baby, making mm -hmm. him daddy. Okay, right. gotcha. Yes. We, we stand a, redempti a, re a redemption arc. He drops yeah, this king. Yeah, of course. So yeah. uh, in order to pivot our way back into Rogue One, um, 
I'm yes. gonna just I'm just gonna start with a fun trivia fact that I learned. Um, you know how the planet at the end is called Scarif. Yeah. Yes. Uh, picture this: this movie directed by Gareth Edwards, yes. the writers' room. They're yes. all chilling out. They're brainstorming names for planets. They're like, I don't know, I don't know if we Smeebo. can do it. Let's let's take a break. Let's go down to Starbucks uh, across the street. They walk over to Starbucks. Gareth mm-hmm. Edwards walks up. He says, "One coffee, black." And the barista's like, uh, okay, great. Uh, what's your name? He's like, oh, Scarif. <gasps> and so the barista writes <laughs> Scarif on his cup. And he gets the cup. He's like, that's fucking it. <laughs> that's the name of the planet. Wait, wait, wait. wait Scarif. Oh, yeah, because his name is... The- <laughs> I didn't put that together. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's just a it's good scary. story. <laughs> it's just a really good story. That's incredible. <laughs> um... God, so many good things have come out of Starbucks baristas. Mainly coffee, <laughs> but in this case, this also. Um, so, this is uh, a movie that... This, this is our fifth Star Wars movie that we've covered. Yes. This, this movie is basically a feature-length adaptation of the opening crawl of Star Wars. Yeah. Um... Which you know what? That's a good pitch. Like, it's a good yeah. idea. I I mean I don't know. I showed up for it. I got to see <laughs> this movie uh, early because I worked at the movie theater when it was coming out, and um, I'm just now realizing maybe I shouldn't have said that on stream because we were hella <laughs> not supposed to have done that. Oh God, Jason. Uh, <laughs> George Lucas like, well, is gonna no. throttle you. Uh, but it was one of those things where like. We got to see it, like, midnight, like, two days before when we got the print. Um, and at the time, I don't know, Statute of Limitations is probably up. At the time, our managers were like, yo, like, we're cool and we're gonna, like, let mm. you do this. But, like, for real, like, usually you're not supposed to post about it. But, like, for real, don't post about it this time. And uh, what are their uh, full names and addresses? Yeah, see, uh, one of them's name was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to come up with a fake name. But the real name was all I could think of. <laughs> Just gonna really accidentally dox them. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, but I got to play the fun game of, like, that day when I was working, like, overnight. Because when Star Wars movies comes out, the, the theater would be open, like, 24 mm-hmm. hours that one day. So I was working, like, through the night. Like, just hauling ass at concessions, like, 100% of the time. Is that, like, was... all the notes, or is that different? <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> But it was, like, kind of fun because there was, like, this really excited energy and everybody was super yeah, excited. Like, oh, Star Wars. And people would be yeah. like, oh, how have you seen it yet? Is it any good? And I was like, oh, man, I, I haven't know. seen it. <laughs> Wink. Little yeah, it's, me? Yeah, right. it's really good, but fucking shut up about it. Um, <laughs> Down low. Um, so, yeah, that was just a good day for me. I got to see it in, <laughs> uh, in Dolby 3D, which is, like, the most expensive possible format at our theater. Mm-hmm. That's wow. pretty sick. Yeah, it was pretty tight. Oh, another quick story. I know I've been telling, I've been talking a lot, but yeah, I have one fine. more quick, one more quick thing to add. I love so the Dolby Theater at AMC's is like a, a more expensive format, and it's basically like bigger screen, fancier projector, Worst like subwoofers cares. in the seats, mm-hmm. and like darker auditorium. Like just a whole bunch of little things are like twenty percent better, and it like I really loved it. Um, but they never did 3D because it, they had like a special different 3D system because it had dual projectors 
So the glasses were like a special kind of glasses that were so yeah. expensive, they had to put like tracking devices in them, like security devices to make sure people didn't steal them. Oh, which, wow. according to my manager, uh, was about 60% of the cost of those glasses was the security device. <laughs> Wait, they're so expensive so, because they have a security yeah. device. It's like this weird Douglas Adamsian premise. Yeah. It's like we put we put this expensive tracking device to make sure nobody steals these expensive glasses, except these they're not slightly really expensive. less expensive glasses. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, That's really good. Anyway, but yeah, we ended up we never at least by the time I left, they never committed to actually doing any public Dolby 3D screenings because the tickets would have been like 25 bucks a piece. Yeah. And we didn't think anybody would pay for it. Man, um, it's almost as if uh, no one would ever pay that much money for a movie. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Especially especially at home. What, um, in your house with your shitty TV? Right. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite thing about this whole pandemic. I love that, it. Uh, all the movie companies are like hmm we're really struggling to get people into theaters right which is uh, good reason yeah well, <laughs> and well but even before but especially now right no yeah. theaters yeah. uh and you know what what if do you think that people would pay more money to see a movie in a worse environment like is that the pitch i think that's the pitch charge <laughs> is that more the mood? we just need to <laughs> Is that Charge the them more for something they're going to pirate. Yeah. <laughs> Charge yeah. them more for something that's worse because yeah. there's a pain On a service that they already have and already paid for. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, um, but, but is it is it like, you know, releasing this like single... No, it's on the service they're currently paying for. <laughs> yeah. And you won't it's be able not... to pay for it unless you pay for uh, the other thing. Fine. Right. So, yeah, um, you have to get both of the things in order yeah. to watch the thing. So, yeah, so, okay, really the net cost of Mulan is 40 bucks a pop. Yeah. yeah. Which is insane. I really, I think they're going to back down from that by the time it actually comes out. I've I never, think, been, I've never seen a single so. person be like, well, because they usually thing. They were like, it's not the price of, like, one individual movie ticket. It's, like, the price of movie tickets for a family. But right. here's the thing. Mulan is not advertised to children it's supposed to be like the edgy new remake you know so it's not like if it was like the like the big summer like kids release and they're like it's like priced for your whole family to watch it i would understand that a little bit more but like this is like they're like not adults because that has weird connotations it's, I don't you know what know. i mean it's, it's like still a family movie it's like only like a one-time viewing right I'm not or sure. You, I'm sure that it'll be it like everything else where it's like you get it for 48 hours or whatever. Yeah. In case you want to watch it twice, I guess. You know. But yeah, here's I guess. the thing. Eventually, <laughs> still... it's going to be on Disney Plus anyway. Right. Right, yeah. Who's to say? Who's to say? I don't know. Who's I, to I, say? I wasn't going to watch the movie anyway because I have such deep attachment to... Mulan anyway, but yeah. Yeah, I know. I I get I'm burned not, every hyped. fucking time on these Disney remakes because yep. every single time they attach like a really cool director and I'm like, "Oh, that sounds tight. Like I'm actually really interested to see mm -hmm. that." And then yeah. I buy a goddamn ticket and it sucks and it's boring and it doesn't feel like that director at all. And yeah. I buy into it every single time. 
and I know I'm going to watch it because I'm like, <laughs> oh, Nikki Caro, I really like the whale rider, cool underground filmmaker with an interesting voice. I want to mm-hmm. see this. And I know it's going to suck it's gonna ass. Be bad. And I'm going to do the same goddamn thing for the Robert Zemeckis Pinocchio movie. Right. And yeah. I just know it. And I'm going to be like, Tom Hanks is Geppetto. Zemeckis but, and Zemeckis and fucking Hanks together again, right. Forrest Gump reunion. I'm all in, and then it's gonna suck Zendaya ass. Is Pinocchio? <laughs> See, every 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 year, I just hope for like another just miracle that was the Lion King on Broadway, which yeah. is like this beautiful, <laughs> right. just like completely yeah. changes the story, like the uh, um the way the original was presented into this right. new medium in this beautiful way. And every time, it's just like. What if it's, it's just it. a bunch of people and we do the same story, but it's yeah. more boring now? What if we did it again, but now we know why everybody's mom is dead? <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's the whole pitch. Oh. I will say, though, I will say, Dumbo was pretty okay. Really? Well, it's, it's, was... it's not the plot of Dumbo, and that's a good thing. <laughs> no. I've seen it twice now. Stuff. I've seen it twice now. First time, I was like, whatever. Second time, I was like, yeah, I'm fine this with is... Dumbo having a, uh, the live version as it, if only to to have a separate version that people can watch that's uh, separate from the one with the racist crows. <laughs> right, um, fair enough. Yeah, so, yeah they should just do live if they ever do. Yeah, like live action Peter Pan. <laughs> oh, what, what's pitch. that going to be like? Well, I mean, except they that they have to. Other people have done that like forty that's times. That's fair. Though, yeah, that's thing. like a play. Yeah. Also, is that maybe Disney <laughs> yeah. movies it's should well just be plays, play. and we should stop trying to make them movies. <laughs> yeah, they're um, doing well on musicals. I like them. <laughs> yeah, those are good. Those are designed to be like that. Speaking of, when are we getting our Star Wars musical? I yeah, like really. That's a fucking good idea, though. Yeah. For real, for real. I know. Imagine like Star really game. fun stage around. choreography, like in the dark with like. Light, lit up lightsabers. Yep. That'd yeah. be sick as hell, dude. Be like, I know that, sick. I know that Star Kid did do a Star Wars musical. I haven't watched it, and I'm like 90% sure it's a burlesque show. But here's oh, okay. the thing. C-3PO's in it, and there's no way C-3PO's the sexy as hell in it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, Adeline, I have a question for you. Yes, hello. Um, smash or pass? Um, that that circle robot that tortures Princess Leia at the beginning of Star Wars. The what? The, the see, there is like there is the like floating a, circle with the syringe coming out of it. Remember yeah, no, that no, one? no. There is like a kinky I, energy, but it doesn't. <laughs> I might pass. It's like it's like smash or pass on a butt plug. Like it's the thing itself. <laughs> is a sexual object, but it's not the object that you're attracted to, you know? Right, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, smash Darth Vader with the oh, thing, yeah. maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that would go. That's gonna go. work. <laughs> um, Rogue One, directed Rogue One. by Gareth Edwards. Um, yes. Directed by uh, I don't even, Scarith. By yeah. Scarith Edwards. I don't even know where to start anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the biggest uh. thing that I think about this movie mm-hmm. is that it is basically, I think the absolute platonic ideal of like how to do like modern visual effects in movies, like super well. 
Like, yeah. I feel like this movie is second only to, like, Jurassic Park in terms of how perfectly integrated and awesome-looking the VFX are, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah, like, you yeah, don't yeah. notice them yeah. at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, the movie feels so good. And Gareth Edwards, both in Godzilla that he directed and this, has this absolute mastery of, like, scale. Like... Everything, yeah. f- everything that is big, really, really feels big. Every mm-hmm. time a fucking mm-hmm. star destroyer comes out of hyperspace, or an ATAT oh, like yeah. comes through the brush and you see it through the fog for the first time, you're like, "Fuck, that looks uh, enormous!" Like I, I, I feel that like so viscerally. That's like I think not to cut you off or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I just uh, that was one of the things that you just reminded me is like that ATAT scene it's like yeah we know they're big but I think that's the first time we've seen them from like it's coming at me perspective yeah like yeah. that's perspective. like oh my god holy yeah. shit it's and, so tight and well, first of all this movie very crunchy very crunchy movie extremely crunchy but what I love about the whole end heist on Beach Planet Scarif Adeline Scarif is that I? it has really built in and really clear, like, layers to it. And I think mm-hmm. that just adds so much to, like, your understanding what's happening. Like, you have the top layer that's, like, space, and you have the shield, and then the satellite, and then you have, like, the ground, or, like, the ground troops. And something about right, the way yeah. they establish, like, these layers of the same place mm. is really cool. It really creates a sense of space and, like, where everything is and, like, right. what, how, like, again, it shows size like how big these things are like compared to space and on the ground everybody seems so little compared to the next layer up being like the AT-ATs and the next layer up right. being like the star destroyers you know like yeah. a really clear like layering yeah yeah I yeah. think I think like the headline of this movie is that Rogue One is like fine for like an hour and a half and then it's the best fucking movie ever made for, like, 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that is, like, really my biggest takeaway, even now that I've seen it, like, probably, I think, four times. Mm-hmm. Like, the end of this movie is so, like, spectacularly realized. Mm-hmm. And and Gareth Edwards was a, was a VFX artist and animator for a really long time before he started directing. And it shows, because he yeah. fucking knows what's up. And it's <laughs> he like, knows oh, what's cool. good. Uh, yeah. And n- not to not to pretend like I know too much because it's you know I'm not a visual effects artist and I've never really been on a set where that's been a major facet. But mm-hmm. like the thing about a lot of like modern VFX that doesn't look very good is that most of the time what they're doing is c- because you know like painstakingly recreating an alien planet piece by piece with a team of 40 people over the course of three weeks or whatever for one shot mm-hmm. is a lot more expensive than uh, hiring one guy to make a really complicated model over the course of a week and a half. You yeah. know, that's just the way way that it is. But the thing about it is that if you hire one guy to make a model, it means that you have to pay him to make a model like way before you start principal photography. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You have to, anything practical in a movie has to be finished way before you start shooting. Oh, yeah. And if you just like, 
if you're overly reliant on CG, then, you know, you could just put a bunch of guys on a green screen and get a lot of coverage and just kind of wing it in post-production, you know? Yeah. And not that that never works, but it works a lot less frequently than, yeah. you know, having practical stuff thought out already does, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. that's part of the thing that, like... The, the thing about this movie is that it does as much practically as it can, and the stuff that it can't do practically, it is... The VFX are fully integrated into what they are shooting practically it's not like you have a bunch of guys on a green screen or like a big green screen window or whatever and it's like um we didn't like super storyboard this but we're gonna like cut to as much coverage as we can and like animate around it so it looks good you know um like everything and that's i talk every once in a while about the corridor crew youtube channel who do those like vfx breakdowns of movies yeah. There's one where they compare the the CGI velociraptors in Jurassic World to the CGI velociraptors in Jurassic Park, and it's like the ones in Jurassic Park like look way better, even Are way though better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even right. though it came out fucking thirty years ago now. Yeah. Okay, and like, Jurassic Park has no right to look as good as it does. Jurassic it, Park looks incredible. Yeah, it's just so cool. Yeah, and it's because all that stuff was set up in pre-production. They knew oh, yeah. exactly what they wanted to do with the VFX ahead of time so they could plan their shoot explicitly around making that look as good as possible. Um, whereas in Jurassic World, they just, you know, put a guy with some tennis balls on him in front of Chris Pratt and were like, act like a velociraptor and we'll just shoot it like normal. And then we'll just animate a velociraptor in there afterwards, you know? Yeah. Um, where they did something digital, but, like, in the practical mindset. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think and I think that is the thing that makes these modern Star Wars movies head and shoulders above the other, like, Disney blockbusters right now. Because, like, as much as I do love Marvel movies still, they are so green screeny. Like, yeah. and it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't make them bad, but they definitely don't feel as good as Star Wars movies feel, you know? Yeah, no. Well, um, Star Wars movies, it, Star Wars movies are such a different reality than ours. Like, we're on totally different mm-hmm. planets, totally different places, but they feel so real because a lot of it is so practical. Right. That, like, it, cre- like, just so effectively creates, like, this whole new world. Right. And then in Marvel movies, where it's just kind of reality adjacent, mm-hmm. I feel like that green screeny, like they're making it even more adjacent by making it not feel right. as real with like the green screens, you know? Like it's I was just another say, layer I, removed. I think like from a very sort of, I have I I know very little of visual effects and stuff like that, but I think a lot of the, um, the Marvel movies when they do these sort of, um different locations that are very odd like they go on the um you know the alien planets and they fight thanos or whatever Mm -hmm. um uh, in that like final location area it's a lot of a lot of stuff sort of takes place um in spite of the background like it's like that's (laughs) the background you know it's not it's like this it's the setting of stuff that's going on um but you don't really you don't interact with the the world that it's taking place in Um, Like, Star Wars has a lot of establishing moments with the characters that are on these worlds and stuff like that. 
Um, so the, you know, there are just scenes where it's just like, hey, here's a battle at this planet, but a lot of it is like, here is, you know, the town of this planet, and here's like the battle going around these buildings and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like, this is like a, uh, this is like a fight scene in the background now. Right. Yeah. Um, it, and everyone it, else is to up just front. Be like a battlefield. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason why this film feels so good crunchy. to watch and crunchy is crunchy. Gareth Edwards talks a lot about how he convinced Disney to let him have every day on set. They let him have one hour of indie time, which was like <laughs> at the end of the day, like 80% of the crew would go home. It would just be him and the actors and like the DP and like a few crew guys to adjust lights or whatever. Mm-hmm. And before they would tear down the set, they would let him have an hour to just get whatever he wanted with, like, a stripped-down crew with these super expensive sets and costumes and stuff. Yeah. Um, and you have to imagine, like, a lot of the best stuff came from that, you know? Um, and it's just, it's something that's really interesting. But the other half of that is that he did convince Disney to let him do that, but they also fired his ass after principal photography. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and made Tony Gilroy come in and shoot the the uh, reshoots. Um, mm. That's that's a weird situation because uh, by all accounts, Gareth Edwards was still like on set for the reshoots, and he was like a consultant, and he was like talking to people the whole time. Like he mm-hmm. never like totally left the project, but he was just not the director of the reshoots. Um, yeah. So, mm. and you know, I think this movie comes together really well in spite of that there Mm -hmm. are definitely a few spots where you're like yeah this feels like a weird reshoot from somebody else like that scene at the beginning where Diego Luna and that British character actor we never see again have that like weird exposition dump scene where they shoot a couple of stormtroopers and you're like I don't know what this is yeah you know the one yeah, yeah. Where, we, where he, like, shoots the guy, and we're, like, establishing that he's, like, not a good guy, but he's working mm. for the Rebellion. Like, right. it, it, it serves a purpose, but I also could just infer that. Yeah, it's just, like, this one static set where it's just like, oh, my name's whatever, and this is what I believe, and here's what we're doing, here's I, the mission. And you're like, I okay. shoot people sometimes, isn't <laughs> yeah. that sexy? And then he climbs up a wall like Zac Efron. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I think I yeah, like, just like, try try to move past that. Try. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's the same it's the same kind of deal. Um, is that like the, you know, I, I don't know how you would, uh, do it. I think you would just need to create like a different scenario for the uh for like the city in that scene to feel more real. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're it's that like city in that case. That's just it's just sort of the backdrop. Um, you don't inter- you don't interact with any of the story any of the elements of the city except for um, the sort of uh, like the immediate action of the characters. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. For sure. Um, but yeah, and it's like this movie. Like I just I can't get over how excited I am that Star Wars continues to have aliens that are just dudes in costumes. Yeah, no, it's because so nice. that is so fucking rare right now. Like yeah. Star Wars are the only people who will still do dudes in costumes. Yeah, and yeah. they because everyone's like CGI, like technology and like body mapping and like that kind of stuff is like so advanced. Right. But like it's it 
it's not the same. It's not as crunchy. It doesn't look yeah. as good. He doesn't look like he's a part of the world. He looks like it's something separate. So when it's just a dude in a mask, it doesn't matter how hokey the mask is. He looks like a real person who's actually there. Like, I, I know... I don't know if the Lord of the Rings TV show is ever coming out, but if they do, I hope, <laughs> I hope not. to God that, like, the orcs and stuff are not CGI. Because right, they be do, so like, upset. paint and stuff like that, and, like, yeah. prosthetics, that would be so much cooler. That would be so yeah. good. Ignore how problematic orcs are, just, like, put, get <laughs> yeah. real costumes. If you're gonna go problematic, go all the way. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing about it, is that you can't even necessarily say that, like, CGI characters are always a bad thing, because K2SO in this movie looks great. But he's also not a dude, he's a robot. (laughs) Right, well, exactly. But it's Mm. all about doing things practically when you can, and the things that you can't, you've got to, like, integrate that process into your your whole production, you know? It can't be an afterthought like it is so much of the time. I wonder though how much of that sort of effect is based on um our sort of pre-existing knowledge of how the star wars universe is because when we see like a dude like i i wonder if we saw a dude in a suit in like a different film um if it would be sort of as integrated because i think star wars is is very um it has it has this very specific um uh set of like I don't know rules like it's like, like the, the world yeah the world started with silly costumes since the beginning right and that's how the world looks like in Star Wars you know that like that the um you know it's just it's a bunch of you know the robots are are big and clunky and um yeah. it's super like me- metallic and and fake and the uh, um and the aliens are all these like rubbery people um, and that's like that's how the world looks like. Um, right. It you know was built off of what they what they created it uh, to be. Whether that was out of because you know they um, they because of the, of the time period of like that that was like the best they could do, um, mm-hmm. or if like that's like a, a stylistic like which I think part of it was like I think George mm-hmm. Lucas is like this is gonna be practical effects all the way down. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I was watching um, Alien the other day, um, and that movie, you know, obviously it's like the pinnacle of like practical science fiction filmmaking. Oh, yeah, but that's really um, good. but the thing about it that I kept thinking was like every time the xenomorph has to like move or like take a step, mm-hmm. <laughs> you like immediately realize it's a dude in a rubber suit like yeah <laughs> the way yeah. it, i don't know if it's based i don't know if it's just the nature of the suit itself or if the guy inside the suit was like not committed to it fully enough or whatever but yeah. like it, that movie's so scary except for those few moments where it's like the alien like takes a step towards somebody you're like that is jeremy in a <laughs> suit. i know that guy like and like <laughs> that high is school a, <laughs> I know like, that walk. That is like a, a great example of like a spot where like some sparing specific character CGI would be mm. super helpful. And that's what mm. they do in Jurassic Park too. They have like practical objects that they swap out with CG when they need it to do something that can't happen in real life, mm. which I think is just the only way to make that really work. You know? Yeah. You know? Just it's it, you got to make stuff. Like, make Dude, stuff sometimes, make you know? With your you hands. Know, yeah. Yeah, j- oh. Dude, we... 
Do you have to just like look at your hand? <laughs> you can not make with, things. Not with computers. We gotta get back to nature. These yeah. fucking millennials with their <laughs> fucking CGI dinosaurs. Just get your hands and it's make like a we dinosaur. Don't know, we don't know how to walk like velociraptors anymore. It's just <laughs> sad, man. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, sauce. So, okay. <laughs> In order to, right. to, to talk about the plot of this movie. Fine. Okay, well, right, hold right, on. Right, of course, of course. I've got oh. I'm gonna include chat. Oh. So Tabby in in the in the chat made a very interesting point. She says we were making the joke about that weird establishing shot at the beginning that's kinda clunky and feels like a reshoot. And she and her opinion is that she never really got attached to Cassian the whole movie. And I think that's a very valid thing to say about the characters in this movie. Where yeah. individually all of these characters are very interesting and very well developed and like you want to like know more like obviously this character has a backstory i want to like know what's going on with them but the movie tries to sell you on this idea that it's like a found family like group of scallywags coming together mm. but that's right. not really the reality of the film yeah like individually these people all have very strong characters but the that we have very few moment mo- moments <laughs> moments of like actual like character interactions or character growth so like yep. yeah like i've watched this movie maybe like four times now and i continually forget people's names because they <laughs> right just, yeah they don't as cool as they are they're not very substantial right yeah. now i have the character list up on my up on my screen yeah just so i know <laughs> um, um I think, like, because, yeah, not all the characters have meaningful interactions with one another. Um, yeah. Or even at all. Like, the, the pilot, um, who is Bodhi. Bodhi. Um, uh, uh, Bodhi. Bodhi the pirate. Uh, Bodacious the pirate from high school. Um, <laughs> he, you know, he's, like, he's kind of, like, he's kind of a cool character. Um, in he, Or he, at least he could be, but, like, He's just kind of he's kind of whatever because he doesn't get any he doesn't get any meaningful interactions with people. Um, he gets a couple of sort of interesting moments where, uh, uh, you know, he really puts his life uh, and his skills to the test and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't he doesn't talk to anyone in any meaningful way yeah. that like places him within the group at all. Yeah, you know. like, individually, I could go on and on about these characters. Like, even with Bodhi. Like, there's mm-hmm. such an interesting story there. Like, he is an Imperial pilot that turned and is now putting his whole life on the line for the Rebels. Right. And, like, what that means, like, what he has to do, and the way that he just, like, dies randomly in a tragic moment. That's oh, yeah. So, it, yeah. It's so in this com- moving. And this complete, like... Because everyone else gets this... And that, that is the other thing. Is they, they, give, they give everyone else this kind of, like these these really meaningful deaths um that's super drawn out and they all stand for what they mean and until they they uh they go out with their last breath and um Bodhi's death is kind of like it's 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 sudden it's just like yeah he does the mm-hmm. he he does what he 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 needed to do um and then they throw him a grenade and they give him one last shot uh, <laughs> I mean, and that's I'm just it looking at the grenade 
Yeah, yeah. That is that was always sort of the pitch of this movie was like it's a Star Wars movie that really feels like a war movie, right? Yeah, yeah. it's like these and people just die randomly. Yeah, um, that, which I think, me, is, I think that it's is good. I think it's good. Yeah, to me that's the crucial distinction between like an action movie and like a war movie, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is like in in like an action more blockbustery movie, people's deaths are very meaningful. I mm-hmm. think the difference between that and a war movie is that in a war movie, the thing that makes you sad about the deaths is how meaningless they seem to be. You know, yeah. how random how they just can be. random. It yeah, just, like, like a stray you know, bullet will get. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, you know that the death leads to a victory, or the death happened because we're trying to do something good. So that like makes it like that's. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like that's the resolution is the fact yeah. that you know they died for something. Yeah. But like yeah, like we don't. There's not a moment they don't. It's not Spider-Man. Oh, this is a spoiler for Infinity War. It's not <laughs> Spider-Man dissolving right. in Tony Stark's arms. It's him looking at a grenade, an explosion, and then we have to keep going, which is yeah. sad in itself, but we don't take any time to mourn because right. we yep. have things we gotta be doing. Yeah, there's there's no time to... Yeah. All right. I think this movie would have really freaked me out as a kid if I had oh, seen totally. it. <laughs> like, yeah. I got... I, think, I don't think I would have been able to, like, get over, um... Almost any of the deaths, really. Just the fact that... <laughs> right, like, they yeah. all die. Yeah. <laughs> And the fact that, like, the happy ending in the end is... Them um, cradling each other as the world explodes. <laughs> right! <laughs> just the entire world is just gone. And then the Rebel Alliance, you know that they don't, like, get out in time. It's this huge loss that yeah. they take for this one opportunity. And obviously, you know, if you've watched the rest of Star Wars, you know they win. Um, right. I think it'd be really interesting to have someone who's never, who doesn't know, to watch this completely chronologically. Um, yeah. And just, like, watch initially just, like, this this absolutely devastating blow, this one act of heroics that, even in the end, almost doesn't really make it worth it, because Darth Vader almost just comes in and kills <laughs> right, all yeah. and steals yeah. the plans. I could just imagine, like, hey, Lil Jackson, you're about six years old. Uh, you had a pretty rough day at VBS because they talked about heaven a little bit too much and you got really freaked out about the idea of death. Yeah. And you you spent the, the final the, the final worship service of VBS in the, in, the, in the lobby with your mom crying and her trying to tell you that it's fine. I'm not going to die anytime soon, hopefully. <laughs> like, hey, here's this Star Wars movie. Here's the Star Wars movie all about how no matter how righteous you are and no matter how much you do the right thing sometimes you can just die still and yeah like, sometimes sometimes and the no world is unfair and cruel and you will die one day <laughs> yeah exactly. and it might be today who knows <laughs> but yeah and it's like i don't know it's such a crazy ballsy move for a movie like this to be like yeah they all die like every character yeah. in this movie dies mm-hmm. um and it's a weird... I mean, I talked a lot in our solo episode about how, like, there it's tricky with Star Wars because so much of their storytelling when it comes to things that are not, like, the big main movies are mm-hmm. about filling in cracks between stories you already know. Yeah. And it yeah. can be really, really hard to craft character arcs that take place in between things because usually the character arcs that exist already are pretty satisfying and that's why you like them 
So yeah. trying to either come up with different character arcs that take place before or after a character arc you already like, or trying to take place like a miniature character arc interstitially, like in between a different character arc, is really yeah. is really hard to do. And this movie really smartly just comes up with all of its own new characters and yeah. like yeah. and kills all of them. And kills right. all of them. Um, I, go ahead. I think I was just saying, like I think one of the um, main gripes I know uh, I know at least Marcus had talked about in his video. Um, not to sort of like harp on that, but I I, I remember like um, if you are someone coming into this uh, and you and you know the sort of Star Wars formula, um, I it, I think it like it almost can be hard to get attached to these people because they're all new. I guess I didn't I I I did not experience this problem, but I know that's yeah. like at least um, I've I've seen some else like other people talk about online is that like people came into their like yeah well, they don't show up anymore like why would someone that's that important you know not be yeah. in the story a, anymore or whatever yeah but, that's a weird mindset that requires you to be so invested in the franchise that's that, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> you can't well, care about like, anything that isn't capital i important you know yeah which i don't well, know that would be like somebody watching clone wars and being like why the fuck am i supposed to care about ahsoka she's not in the okay. movies yeah, like but fair. then ahsoka <laughs> is incredibly important actually and like not to discount that point of view because like if you well, feel yeah. that way like sorry i said it in a very condescending tone but that's not <laughs> it's like you're yeah. an idiot <laughs> no <laughs> but it's just like i don't know i don't feel that i think this is a story on its own now okay yeah, okay no i, I get that yet we've been very positive about this movie thus far but i gotta mm. say mm-hmm. um th- a lot of this movie doesn't really have any meaningful character work in it is the thing no nope. yeah that's um, the problem <laughs> the whole that... beginning of the movie uh is almost useless i almost <laughs> yeah, didn't kind of. need to have it yeah so. yeah Especially because we had already watched this movie, already recorded a podcast. I'd already seen the movie in, like, the last month. Right. I was really like, I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna scooch on over to the end, because I feel like (laughs) I don't need to watch any of this again. Yeah, Adeline and I, we watched from the beginning up until Forrest Whitaker got blown up. Damn. And then we just went right to Scarif at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Because, like... Because, like, that whole... That whole, like, really sudden change of heart that Jin kind of has. Yeah. For no yeah. reason. You don't need to know about that. You just know what she does. Like, nothing really happens in between those I moments. Think, yeah, I think, I think like, the, the moment where she, she gets the message and she watches her father die and he's like, he's like, you have to be a good person and stuff like that. Yeah. I think, I think the, um, I think that's another criticism of this movie is that, like, people's don't think that the like think that she basically like changed her entire worldview immediately right um i i don't i think that <laughs> she did I, watch her dad die <laughs> yeah she watched her, she watched her dad die and she's always been sort of shown to be um sort of rebellious and uh like goes against things um mm-hmm. she just she didn't have like a cause to fight for um but I think I, I I think I can sort of, I can see the um the shift. What I can't see is the speech that she gives. Yeah. And I said this in the in the last recording. It's like mm-hmm. that is the only thing that 
like does bug me is that she gives this really beautiful moving speech even though she is very explicitly right. stated to be kind of bad at speaking in the past <laughs> yeah right. um, there, there's just way more eloquent ways they should have shown that she had yeah. a change of heart and i think her just silently doing the things that mm-hmm. she does would have been enough to show yeah she's had a change of heart yeah she's gonna yeah. go storm the beaches on a suicide mission because her right. beliefs have changed or even the like really awkward speech that she gives on the ship that would yeah. be perfect on its own is like okay you know what we, she we she's it. like ready to like try to rally people around this cause that she firmly believes in because right. i yeah. think that's super you know it's kind of it's kind of awkward and it's kind of like it's kind of like, well, we're all gonna die. It's, you know, it feels very in character, unlike this sort of board meeting where it's like, it, right. it sounds like that's that's just like a Star Wars script of the hero. You know. Yeah. To me, if I were to do like a like a little rewrite of it, and like mm-hmm. I don't know, I almost hesitate to bring this whole thing up because like Jin being not that awesomely written of a character, sure. it's like is like a weird touch point that. MRAs like to bring up a lot when they're complaining Uh, about women in Star Wars. Whatever. Right. It doesn't change the fact that on this one, they're kind of right. Like... Yeah. (laughs) And I don't like that they're right. Exactly. (laughs) They've kind of got a point on that one. She's kind of lame. But I think... If it were me, I would change it a little bit more so it's like she has that moment where she... I mean, she doesn't actually watch her dad die, but she thinks she watches her dad die at the hands of the Empire and it's like this radicalizing moment and all of a sudden, Mm. like she starts to really care about this whole movement. And just as she's really starting to get excited about it and really starting to care about this and really believe in it, she goes on that ship and they're just like, ah, yeah, it's not really working out, guys. Sorry, let's just, let's just all go home and, you know, just kick our feet up and, like, maybe we'll try again some other time. And to have her mm-hmm. be like, well, no. Like, this is, like, I'm fresh at this. Like, this is my first one. This is important, you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's not, like, totally different from what we get, but it's just, like, a slight shift of motivation yeah. Yeah. that I think would feel a lot better. Yeah. Um, While we're talking about women in Star Wars, <laughs> I wish there were more women in Star Wars in this film. <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I said this exact same thing last time, but, like, that whole, like... She does a rallying speech and she like gets her group of rebels and they're like, We're Rogue One and we're gonna do it and they're all men except for <laughs> yep. her. And right. just literally for no reason. Why very there cool any women to have there? Yeah, very cool to have like Oh, it's a female protagonist. Nice, so they're continuing it on. Oh, and that's the only female character? That's the only one. <laughs> Great, cool. That's, uh, she's yeah. she's one of the boys. She's practically a man. She doesn't okay. have big tits, so she's a man. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Adeline, uh, if you had to pick two characters oh. from this movie that you replace with women, who would they be? Uh, hmm. I think... I have I an think answer, the, but I want to hear yours. I think Ooh. my two things that I would change. I think... I, I think it would be fun if Saw was a woman. Because it's weird to have added daddy issues when she already has daddy issues with her actual dad there's like two sets <laughs> of daddy issues. she does have kind of if she had daddy issues yeah exactly if she had mommy issues on top of daddy issues i think that would just be she would i feel like they would feel more connected even <laughs> that's so. a story right. arc yeah. yeah exactly uh i think see i was gonna say Bodhi, but just because he no, I was also going to say Bodhi. Yeah, it's because he... I think it's because of his... There's no reason he has to be Yeah. a man. Like, he doesn't have any character interactions with anybody. Like, he could be... He could be anything. I think he, he could be a woman. It would be cool. 
I think a, a female turret would be uh, would be good too. I that would see be that cool. as well. Yeah, but I see, totally the agree. thing about that is that it wouldn't be Donnie Yen then, which I think That's is maybe the true. most important uh, yeah, thing about you this do have movie. To, you have to sacrifice Donnie Yen <laughs> to get the... Uh... My pitch? <laughs> we have to sacrifice him for feminism. <laughs> <laughs> my, pitch, my pitch would have been Sagarera and Krennic. I think if Krennic was a woman, that would be really cool too. Krennic? Who... Remind oh, me Ben Mendelsohn, the white-coated yeah. bad guy. Oh, that yeah, would, yeah, 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 that would be interesting. Yeah, or mean, like the um, what's what's her name? The like really cool general person that you see for about two seconds in the, um, uh, in like the sequel movies or whatever. Oh, Mon Mothma. Are you talking about? No. Oh wait, you're talking about Laura Dern? I'm uh, no. Purple uh, Man. I'm talking about like the the like enemy, like clone woman who's really oh. cool. Oh, Phasma. Phasma. Phasma, yeah. yeah. You get, like, that kind of situation where, yeah. like, she is just as imposing and stuff like that. Um, and it doesn't have to be a, a man to be this sort of, uh, like... Nazi. Threat Nazi, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have... Uh, Although I don't have female Nazis, Nazis, Nazis too, too, so... <laughs> Girl boss. Um... Girl boss. <laughs> so... Although I am just realizing now, though, that, like, Ben Mendelsohn low-key probably gives the best performance in this movie, though. So, like, I guess you would also have to, like, yeah. sacrifice. But, you know what, whatever. There are a one. lot of mm-hmm. really good performances. Yeah. Yeah, there are. There's, like, a, there's like a lot of really good yeah. names of stuff. So I mean, we're talking hard. about how all of these characters are pretty much misused in this movie, but I think Sagarera really gets the short end of the stick in this movie because, does. again, we establish this crazy cool guy is like the leader of like these people who like are on the same side as the rebellion kind of but they've got different mm-hmm. ideals and different ways of doing it and they're more violent and the rebels hate them and they're like kind of it's kind of like an infighting thing where they're on the same side but not really right, and he's yep. like he's got this oxygen tank like he's like been through shit and like he's raised this girl's his daughter and now he thinks that she's mm-hmm. come to kill him like it's all yeah. just like super compelling he has yeah. very cl- very uh, clear Darth Vader parallels that's yeah, totally right yeah have on that side. But... Well, and then even like he's his death. I think I uh, it's this <laughs> I had really is a... is this moment. I think his death is pretty cool. I feel like it lacks emotion because we don't spend enough time establishing him. Yeah. Or like yeah. he's this man who's like. He's basically dying. He's got that oxygen mask, yeah. and he's like, he's done something good. He knows that Jin is gonna continue, like what he thinks is good, and he's just like, I'm tired of running. I'm gonna die, and I think oh, that's a really yeah. cool moment. Yeah. But I think it loses its oomph because we don't know him that well. Because I was gonna say the first few times I watched this movie, that beat always felt super weird to me. Because I yeah. was like, okay, but like the ship's right here, and like you're gonna. Yeah blow up right. so like you okay whatever yeah, but then eventually i came to the realization like he's like a hundred years old and he's got robot lungs like yeah. <laughs> you're probably I just think- like it's you know what it's not worth it like yeah. it's fine <laughs> i'll take one this time i i yeah someone someone did mention that like saw was a character in the extended universe like before um oh that's right already, yeah so so that's uh, why he could be a woman yes. but 
<laughs> I mean, there's no reason it has to be Saw Gerrera, like that specific person anyway, because yeah. again, yeah. he doesn't do anything in this movie, so he could be literally anyone. <laughs> it's true, yeah. We talked a lot about Solo, how it's like basically, at least we were saying then, it was like the only movie that really like takes cues from other extended universe media, but mm-hmm. I guess I'm now that I'm remembering that Saw Gerrera does like... I mean, I don't think he ever, like, physically shows up in Clone Wars, but he's, like, mentioned as a character a handful of times Mm. in Clone Wars. And I always made note of it because I knew the name from Rogue One, but I guess that was before Rogue One, so... Yeah. That's a a weird thing. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to somebody... It was Blank Check Podcast talking about um, this movie, and they made this point about Forrest Whitaker that I thought was so perfect. Um, and it's especially funny because Adeline and I just watched a weird John Travolta movie where Forrest Whitaker just played, like, a guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> like a small-town person who's friends <laughs> right. with John Travolta. And you're like, this yeah. is weird casting. Um, but, like, <laughs> something about Forrest Whitaker is he is always doing so much business. Like, thinking oh, yeah. about him in this movie and in like, Black Panther and, like, in Arrival. He's always got, like, the weirdest, like, most acting strategy. But at Mm. the same time, everything he does is always very understated. Like, he's simultaneously going as big as possible and fairly small at the same time. Well, that's another cool thing about, about Saw is that it's, like, he's... He's crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. we try to dance around it, but he's a crazy guy. Like, he could right. be the leader. He's like the leader of this unit, and he's, he's got paranoid. All this he's yeah. He's got like... all this important information, and he's like this good man. But he's he's crazy. Like, right. And um, just another thing that I don't necessarily. I just have shoehorning in here because I don't know if we have a good segue for it. Um, sure. I was listening to one of the writers, Chris White's, uh, talk about his experience on this movie and because you know there was a fairly troubled production there were like four writers who were working on it at different times and it kind of got cobbled together but um yeah which kind of shows because uh the writing in this movie not super strong but whatever um but uh he talked about like because you know normally i am of the thinking that not everything needs to be explained like listeners of the podcast know that it drives me absolutely insane when people trying to tell me that there's an important reason why Jack Sparrow has beads in his hair. I don't give a fuck. Like, I wasn't asking that question. But I do think the story of how they got the Death Star plans and also explaining exactly why there's one uh, one flaw in it. Yeah, why there's this glaring weakness in the Death Star. Is really interesting. Because he was talking about, like, a conflict they had in the writer's room. Because... Like, when they were first, like, putting it together. Because, like, one person was basically saying, like, an engineering project of this size, there's gonna be bazillions of flaws. Like, it, mm-hmm. there's no way to dance around it. It was a machine made by people. There's gonna be plenty of ways you could figure out to blow it up, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way they talk about it in Star Wars is, like, that there's one. There's one spot we found, the only spot where we could blow it up. And the reasoning is more like, you know, if this is a fantasy world where we can believe that... Basically, the only way it makes sense that there's exactly one weak point 
is if there wouldn't have been any weak points if not for that one, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to have one weak point, you're going to have a reason why there's one weak point as opposed to a whole bunch, if that makes any sense. And one weak point that just is, like, it only needs one shot. (laughs) Well, right, yeah. It's not like, it's not like, oh, you could chip away at the outside, you know, there's like a small, the shields don't, don't like fall all the way around, so there's part of the out, it's like, no, there's one, there's one thing, if you shoot it, 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 it explodes, that's it. (laughs) Right. We, and did, it's... We, we dipped Achilles in the River Styx, but see, I was holding him by his ankle, so what right. happened was... Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, and I think that the reason I don't mind this is because this story is just compelling on its own, even if it doesn't connect to anything else. Like, mm-hmm. the story of this, like, sort of Werner von Braun type who has to, like, who sabotages a super weapon while he's working on it and trying to get the information of exactly how he sabotaged it to a rogue mm-hmm. organization so they can stop it before it commits crimes against the galaxy right. is, mm-hmm. is cool. That's a cool idea. Even yeah. if it wasn't Star Wars, that's just a cool story, you know, that yeah. I don't think has really been told before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, to me, the fact that it explains why there's one hole in the Death Star in Star Wars is, yeah. like, cool, but, like, that's not the part of it that I care about, you know? Yeah. Right. Man, the first Star Wars movie really had just the biggest balls to start their movie off with a paragraph. <laughs> I know. And we were just all super cool with it. Like, thinking, like, no one could ever do that now. Like, yeah. no one else could do that. I think because they, we they would write all books just... telling you not to do that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, but Adeline, War for the Planet of the Apes. That's fair. That's a short paragraph, <laughs> <Yeah>. though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, you're right, though, because it is, a, I mean, people do it it is not never done but that is sort of yeah i don't know it's it's very interesting how like movie structuring and pacing has changed so much i remember thinking i think a lot about when steven spielberg and uh george lucas talked about indiana jones uh in raiders of the lost ark specifically their whole like mission statement for that movie was like we're gonna make a movie with all the boring parts cut out. Like, this movie's gonna yeah. be all killer, no filler. It's gonna be nonstop. <laughs> o- like, we're not gonna have any of the boring scenes where people just talk to each other that every other movie has, right? Yeah. And you watch mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark now, and you're like, it's a little slow. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> compared to, like, how, how much we've, like, tr- been able to successfully figure out, like, what exactly you need and what exactly you don't, yeah, like and how to edit it perfectly. Yeah, and, like, comparing Raiders of the Lost Ark to fucking, like, Mad Max Fury Road is, like, yeah. there's no comparison, you know? Yeah, you can't do that. Um, And it's just so fascinating that, like, the way that we structure stories and decide what can stay and what we don't need is really, really interesting to me. Yeah. I This is another thing that I don't know how to segue into. <laughs> okay, go but, for it. Well, I, well, part one is a joke, part two is a genuine statement. Part okay. one is, so I'm Darth Vader. I okay. used to be Anakin. Uh, the way that I died was that my best friend cut me in half and threw me into a river of lava where wow. I suffered and suffered and suffered. That kind of sucks, but go on. I'm gonna build my house on a lava planet. No, okay, here's what's <laughs> up, though. 
No, first of no, all, I know there's a canonical reason, but just <laughs> so it is. His house is on Malastare. It's the same yeah. place where he got cut up because yeah. he's a Sith and all his power comes from rage. And he That's can look fair. at that exact fucking river where Obi Wan chopped. He can look at the exact spot my where his skin off. still is sizzling. Yeah, exactly. Right. And be like, man, fuck the Jedi. I'm gonna go <laughs> kill him. Yeah, uh, that's actually really smart. It's tight. And there's also, I mean, we talked about this in the Soul episode. There's that whole comic book series that Charles Soul writes that is awesome. Uh, I highly yeah. recommend it. It's called Darth Vader, Lord of the Sith. It's like 25 issues or so. Nice and short, mm-hmm. in terms nice. of like the broad sp- scope of like a, a long, ongoing comic yeah. book series. Um, yeah. But the last arc of it is all about him building that castle, um, yeah. and just being like, uh, so here's here's my pitch. Uh, I found this ancient Sith relic that put, that carries the soul of this uh, Sith architect from eons ago, and mm-hmm. I'm going to build. I'm going to resurrect him through force magics. And have him Don't design, have him design a castle for me that it has the the exact sacred geometry that I can tap into the primal force of the dark side, and tear a hole through the afterlife and bring Padme back. <laughs> and then the, what? Like, that? Yeah, it's, that's real. It's <laughs> sick as hell. It's so cool. Um, that's kind of. And wild. so he builds this castle on Malastare. But then the ancient Sith architect betrays him and goes through himself, but then he just ends up being stuck on the dead side and he can never get through again. And he's like, no, god damn it, and now I'm extra angry. And then he goes, no! Exactly. Pretty sick. I recommend it to everybody because it's actually very good. Um, I just like to imagine Darth Vader's chilling in his house. He's just like, he sits down in a chair, he like pulls up a book, he like, like, he like, sips a glass of tea and you just like mm-hmm. let see him like let out this like content sigh yeah. and then he just looks out the window and sees the spot where he dies and just like smashes the teacup on the ground and like flips the chair and then walks out of the room <laughs> did you have a, a second part to what you're saying i feel like i interrupted oh also i'm so glad that this movie lets darth vader be scary oh, yeah because yeah, it fucking that. slaps when yeah. he gets into that corridor with all of those rebel guys and he just fucking tears them apart. Yeah, it's, like, it's literally it's, like a horror movie. Uh, there's like the sirens going on. half through yeah, a door. And then, like sirens are going and it's dark and you just see his red lightsaber ignite. And like yep. all the guys are just like screaming and running. Like it's so good. Because like yep. Darth Vader, back in the day... Darth Vader used to be scary. Like, you hid behind the couch when Darth Vader showed up. Because he's <laughs> right. going to choke a guy, and he's wearing all black, and he's scary. Yeah. But then, now he's just, like, on on bright-up sketchers. He's on kids' backpacks. And it's <laughs> right, like, right, I, want, right. I want Darth Vader to be scary. Nobody hides behind the couch when Darth Vader shows up. Little Adeline wanted to marry Darth Vader. Something's wrong. <laughs> right. No, uh, and I mean, not to be this guy a second time in two minutes, but there's another yeah. comic book series. Yeah, uh, where I married Darth Vader. <laughs> called, yeah. It's called Vader Down. It was like a crossover between the main Star Wars series and the Darth Vader series a few years ago, where mm. the story was like, something goes wrong in Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. Oh, He's yeah. alone. He crash lands on this planet. And he has absolutely no defenses. He's just alone in the desert. So the rebels, like, hear about it, and they're like, oh, shit, this is our chance to just, like, kill Darth Vader. Like, just 
get this over with. So the whole series, it's like six issues of fucking a bazillion rebel spaceships flying down and trying to kill Darth Vader and Darth Vader by himself just fucking up their shit so bad. Yeah, like finding and it's so goddamn cool. It's really cool. Um and it's you know, it, it an argument has been made that it's a little over the top. Like it's a little bit ridiculous how insanely powerful he is in that series. Mm. Yeah. But uh, it's but cool. I like it. It's cool though. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um just don't think about like how the hell then uh, the the twink from the desert planet could defeat <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, just kind of pass past that. It's because it's his son. It's his, it's it's his little boy. It's his boy. He's compromised. Um, he's crying. That whole scene. He's yeah. crying. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Like, oh, I just wanted to note that, like, there's such a distinct color palette in that, like, whole scare sequence at the end where, oh, yeah. like, everything is on that, like, blue ocean and, like, the green. So much so that whenever you cut to inside the cockpits, uh, like all the warning lights are flashing, like, light blue, like, the same color as the ocean. And it looks, yeah. it feels so nice to look at. Really I'm good. Just, I'm just so happy whenever any movie takes like some like a a dark or dramatic or intense moment and doesn't make it gray that's like my whole shit i love that so much it's like oh we're having like this really like tough like war zone dredge like through like gunfire and smoke and stuff and it's like oh let's make it gray it's like no let's make it light blue like the ocean Mm. it's like hell yes please and thank you yeah Uh, colors in my movie no thank you no. <laughs> but like, no. no. <laughs> and I, so like I said, I worked at the movie theater when this came out, mm. which means that when I was going around cleaning theaters, I got to watch the last, I'll say two to 12 minutes of this movie so many times. And I would yeah. get that, um, we had like a sheet that like told you exactly when the credits started rolling on all the movies that were showing. So that you knew when to be there so you could clean it up as soon as people started to get up. Yeah. Um, but, like, whenever... Basically, if there was ever a gap that was, like, you know, there's ten minutes between movies, you could just kind of chill out for a minute. They were cool with you just being, like, I'm going to go talk to whoever's at concessions or, like, get a drink or whatever before you get back and start cleaning again. But if it was Rogue One, I would always just hang out in the hallway. I would just go straight there and watch, like, the last ten minutes of Rogue One. Because... Every moment of it is so perfect, and I never got tired of it. And the shot where they're like, okay, we did it, we got the plans, let's go. And they're like all jumping to light speed, like out, but then suddenly a Star Destroyer comes out of light speed directly mm-hmm. on top of them, right there, yeah. like in that wide shot where you can see everything. It's another one of those perfect Gareth Edwards moments where everything feels like it has weight and space in the world and you really feel the scale of it and seeing that humongous object just like appear out of nowhere and like all of them just crash into it and like die is like so cool yeah it is really cool it's really cool I love I really I wish they hammed it up just a little bit more 
when uh, the Death Star... Well, they have that cool moment where, like, something big is coming out of space, so you just see, like, the Death Star, like, a moon on the horizon, like, right there. It's yeah, a super man. cool right. look shot. God, I rips. wish they handed up just a little bit more with mm. the general guy being shot down by the Death Star, because that... <laughs> that's the good shit that's yeah, the yeah. good irony <laughs> but like right he is destroyed by the creation that he yeah. uh wanted to take credit for so dearly back yeah, right. that he spent his yeah. whole life murdering and killing to get right. and then to now get he's to the get top of this project and now he right. just dies from it yeah i think it's really um, good. i also think it's just a fun little like subversion of iconography that the death star is like upside down most of this movie yeah, that's fun. It's like, I there's like no it. reason that it's right side up, because yeah. it's in space. The only <laughs> like, reason the little circle is always facing us is because that's the gun part. But yeah, like, and it's like, if it's orbiting a planet, the gun part would be facing down, probably, so it could hit the planet. Yeah. It's like, yeah, cool. It makes sense. <laughs> it's just like, you don't, space. you don't usually think about it, but you're just like, oh yeah, it could be upside down, and it looks... Yeah. It, looks different it's fun yeah there is yeah. that really cool shot at the beginning too with the star destroyer like coming into the light of a planet just from like the darkness yeah. of space and it's like ah oh, hell yeah and then you yeah. realize that the stars behind it are actually just the lights of the death star yeah <laughs> so good um, art also another part that kicks ass when uh-huh. that ship like rams into the star destroyer and just pushes That's... it into that other star destroyer it's the good shit it's so fucking sick <laughs> like, I'm telling you, like, the last half hour of this movie is the best. Like, there's... It is. It's I really can't, good. like, it's so good. Yeah. Anybody in the I, chat have any hot takes about it? Uh, Tabby again says, Darth Vader, scary. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is Agreed. very relevant. That's the, that's the take. That's yeah, pretty Darth much Vader, scary. <laughs> um... I'm trying to think of any other parts that kick ass before we start to wrap it up. Yeah. I just, I really, I, we talk about like how people just die all the time and there's no time to mourn, but man, mm. the shot where they're just holding each other as like, you yeah, just man. see the yeah, explosion I, like coming on the horizon to consume them. It's just so, it's so good. Especially like right. they're, I love how they handle these two characters, like two characters who have on, on, obviously gone through a lot together and like obviously have like really started to care about each other and each other's well-being. Mm-hmm. And without being like, hey, it's romantic or hey, it's like whatever. They're just like, these are two people who very obviously care about each other. So this is like just having them just, just hold each other as the world collapses yeah. around them. It's yeah. just so nice. I love it so much. I think I, I think I we talked about this last time, but like obviously I never got to hear it. And like I, yeah. it's just it is very refreshing <laughs> to see these people who don't know much about each other actually not fall in love because that's yeah. kind right. of ridiculous to expect that. Yeah. Um, well, it's like because they like I said like it's they obviously have a very deep connection and caring about each other. Yeah. But yeah. they're not. They're not in love they don't know each other well enough to be in love Mm -hmm. like you could say they're attracted to each other but they're not in love like right it's just really nice for it to just be like we i care about you and the world is dying and i want i want to be with you when the world ends it's just like it's so nice Mm -hmm. i think it would kind of cheapen it to have like that big cinematic movie kiss right yeah exactly <laughs> at Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm gonna make an absolutely oh, insane yeah. comparison. I just need you to bear with me. 
cool. The moment where they're hugging as the explosion overtakes them reminds Ooh. me in a weird way of the scene in Eurovision colon the story of Fire Saga. <laughs> when, what? <laughs> when when Rachel McAdams sings her big song at the end and starts singing in Icelandic and everybody across the world is like, oh my god, she's doing it. She's singing in Icelandic. This is so beautiful. In the sense that, like, that on its own is so filmically beautiful that it mm-hmm. doesn't matter how lazy the setup was to get to that moment, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> because cause that's what we talked about in that podcast episode was, like, the setup for that payoff was so lazy and so long ago, it's impossible for me to care about it. But, like, yeah. that song in that moment, when she hits that note and starts singing in Icelandic, you can't help but get choked up. Like, it's really beautiful. And, yeah. like, it totally... I have to admit, I think you might be one of the only people who understands this reference. Yeah. <laughs> no, come me on. And Jackson. Popular film. Um... <laughs> But, um, the, uh, I mean, look, other podcast listeners of our okay. podcast. Sorry, sorry. Um, you're real fans. Will but, know. like, but anyway, yeah. I always remember thinking, like. We should start gatekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you were a real fan, you would, <laughs> uh, you would get all my references. Yeah. Um, should, you would have watched that. that film. I love yeah. that phrase. We should start gatekeeping. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, might be, that might be good like for with us. The, I, with I the same. That, oh, we don't have a lot of real fans, and I think I think it would be really good for a brand if <laughs> if we just started gatekeeping. Um, I think we should start a competitive spirit between people to like really just offset them and make them uncomfortable to listen yeah, to the podcast. Yeah, I want to set know. up like a coliseum where they fight for my enjoyment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I would love if people coming in and listening to the podcast for the first time are hesitant to even if they want to listen to it because they just know what kind of people listen to this podcast you know yeah, like, exactly that's what I i'm want, like i want really that to always for. be in the back of their mind after enjoying the thing <laughs> right right um yeah. just sort of like subtweeting about like um if you actually if you didn't listen to the uh at and satchel uh only episode. Uh, yeah, you're not. I don't really. Fan. I think you should just kind of stop watching that. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think really. you get it. Um, yeah. But what I was going to say was that when I was cleaning theaters and watching the end of this movie, mm. I was struck that like whenever I would watch that shot of them like being overtaken by the explosion, like I had like such a strong like even like halfway through my shift at the movie theater watching like yeah, two you're two out of context inside. yeah two out of context minutes of a movie. Like, I would watch that, and I would get, like, so, like, choked up sometimes. I'm like, that's so beautiful. And I couldn't help but remember that it, like, it weirdly didn't affect me quite as strongly in context when I watched it the first time, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. that that moment on its own (laughs) is weirdly has something taken away from it by the rest of the movie, (laughs) if that makes any (laughs) sense. You get what I'm saying? No, I yeah. totally get it. Yeah. Um, it create the only time in recorded history where the context of the movie um, makes the 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 beauty of the scene just a little bit worse because yeah. you do know it's a Star Wars movie at the end of the at the end of the right. day. <laughs> yeah, you know that a big guy in a cape is about to kill people after this right. Yeah. This very scene. There's still there's still 
uh, space wizards. The the yeah. so the nuke doesn't have as much impact at that right. point. <laughs> you know, it's a good moment. I'm just looking through my notes. That moment okay. where they do that like initial they like blow up a base or whatever, and then you cut to uh, Ben Mendelsohn like up in the sky on their base. And they hear the explosion, they all turn around, and out that big window, you can see just, like, a little explosion, like, way off in the distance. Like, a, just a little mm. tiny mushroom cloud coming up. Super good. Love that. Super, oh, I didn't notice that. That's... The and way then they, that this cool. movie handles, like, the explosions is so good. They're so huge and slow and terrifying yeah. and loud. And, and when... Just, like... When Jetta gets blown up, the... Like, it's so crazy to me that there's absolutely no, like, dramatic music cues behind it when that laser strikes the Earth. It's like Saw Gerrera having, a, you know, an intense conversation, but, like, just having a conversation with somebody. And they just, they keep cutting back to the mostly silent, quiet footage of this giant space laser hitting the ground and destroying the entire city that they're a part of. And it's yep. just, it's cutting back and forth between that and the conversation as if they are of equal importance. There's something yeah. so scary about that. And, like, I mean, I don't know, I said it before, but it's like this movie has such a perfect grasp on scale. Like, everything feels like it relates to everything else, you know? Yeah. You always, when you see something big, there's always something that you understand the size of really practically sharing the frame with it. So you get a really true feeling of how fucking big that thing is, which no other star Wars movie does as well as this movie does. I absolutely love the shot where you, it's like the end of the explosion. I think, yeah, they just hit light speed getting away from the explosion and you just follow the explosion up as like, yeah. There's like bits of Earth are flying into space, and it just like keeps going, panning up until you see the Death Star, and it's like, ah, oh, that's the good shit. Yeah, man. <laughs> and it's weird. It's weird how conversations about this movie go, because if you're talking about it, odds are you just finished watching it, meaning you're mm. super pumped up about the last half hour of it. Yeah. Yeah. You're it's, super it's pumped really up unfair. about. <laughs> the last it's, I don't know two minutes of it you know it's yeah. so unfair how good the ending is because I don't <laughs> no. want to talk about the beginning yeah. the beginning's just care like about not that interesting yeah. like, <laughs> you just want to talk about the end forever I know yeah I mean the chat wants to know when we cried during the movie I mean honestly it's just that part where they hold each other at the end like that's just <laughs> I don't know the part where uh Chirrut and uh, um and Baze, oh, yeah. uh are uh yeah um yeah yeah no Sheridan Bays, yeah um they're and like he like because he's this like he's this big dude that just doesn't yeah. he he's established very clearly that he's like I don't believe in that nonsense you know right. I don't care if you do that's whatever um, right but he at he he says the sort of like prayer at the end right um in and just sort of like confirmation and in like solace with his friend um and it's yeah, just this man. beautiful yeah. last moment it's so, just good. so heartbreakingly so good. sad uh, but oh man and it's another random grenade that takes him out too it's just yeah, yeah. 
it's a ra- it's a random shot of the thing that explodes it that takes out um yeah. and then just like a dude doesn't even it the grenade isn't even thrown at him the, yeah, a dude just the dies holding, holding it, a yeah. grenade yeah, and man. he falls near him and that's it I think I always get a little bit choked up after she gets the uh, message from her dad. She just has that moment of just, like, absolute emotional exhaustion where she just, like, mm. falls to her knees after the message. It never makes me cry, but it always hits me super hard. Yeah, that's and true. Then, yeah. It's a good moment. Something about K2's death is just so disturbing to me. Like, it just... The fact that he's, like, he's a robot, so he, like, gets shot, and he just keeps going, and he gets shot, and he keeps yep. going, oh, and he gets God, shot yeah. until he just, like, can't go anymore, and, like, it's just, it it's so hard to watch. The, and it's the one just, final um, goodbye is just crushing. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, he, he, he says it with just, like, way more implied emotion yeah. Yeah. than well, I think we've so ever good. seen, like, a, 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 a robot. robot do in any in of the Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's just... Especially because he is a robot Especially who because now, of yeah. his reprogramming, he doesn't have a filter. So for mm-hmm. him to just be like, hey, like his last words are basically like, hey, I love you guys. It's just like, yeah. shit, dude. Uh, it's really good. It's really good. Oh, oh, okay. It feels like we're at the end, but I feel like okay, there's yeah. one very important thing. <laughs> but we're going to start over again. <laughs> no, yeah, there's one, one very time. important thing that we've completely failed to mention. Which Are you is talk about CGI man? Yeah, CGI Grand Moff Tarkin. Your guys' thoughts? Yep. It, every time I look oh, at it, it gets a little bit better. I'm a little bit more forgiving of it. Right. And I think it's because I know it's coming. That first time, I was just like, ooh, whoops, oopsie poopsie. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't look good. Don't look right. But like now that I like know it's a CGI guy and I've seen him like three times, I'm always like, it's not that bad. It's just the eyes or like if a like a shot is like at a weird angle, it sometimes it doesn't look right. Like every time I see it, I feel like I have to defend it a little bit more. <laughs> Does it make sense that he almost looks like he was animated in the same engine that the Clone Wars was? No, that's fair. He's to got me, a very I square think, head. I think yeah. he looks like a Pixar character. I mean, like, I mean, also just because Peter Cushing kind of looks like a Pixar character in general, but, like, the level of detail that it's rendered at feels like a, like a dude in Toy Story 4, which is, like, a really impressive CGI creation, but it's not quite, like, it doesn't look like a real guy, you know? Yeah. Well, there's a yeah. difference between, like, Pixar, what, what you're trying to do is... Even though you're trying to emulate reality, you're trying to make art. But versus yeah. this, where you're literally just trying to imitate reality, like, it feel like, it's not bad by any mm. means, but because it's not exactly like reality, it comes off as bad, if that makes any sense, you know? Yeah. Not, yeah, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, one like second. Me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the light. Oh, uh, yeah, it's really sad. It's bad. But it's really sad. It was sad. He's like a robot boy, and he's dead. I know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And I feel like you know, there's lots to be said about like people have like floated the theory that like if we get good enough at this whole CGI replication thing, it's like at a certain point, are we ever gonna hit the point where you don't need to hire famous actors anymore? 
you can just yeah. have him come in one day, like, and have Dwayne the Rock Johnson like scan himself into your computer, and then you just get Joe Schmo to do the part, and you just put yeah. Dwayne the Rock Johnson on top of him and be yeah. like, God, "Can you imagine Dwayne... being the Joe Schmo?" Yeah, that's, that's superimposed. Like Dwayne. this guy as the Rock as whoever, right. like, and like, oh, man. and I don't. I mean, look, but I mean that theory does totally discount the genuine talent that these huge movie stars have, and. Yeah. You know, as good of an impression as you can do of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, you can't yeah, argue. Nobody. You, you can't pretend like there isn't something an inherent charisma to Dwayne the Rock Johnson that makes him fun to watch on screen. Yeah, because well, it's and him. That's why, you know, that's why I think. That's why I think that video games based on movies or video games based on like sports are famously really bad, <laughs> is because you can't. It, it, part of it is the uncanny valley of like I it doesn't look right so I don't like it but it's like you can't just take the picture of Harry Potter and have him move around and do a funny little dance and that's not the same as watching Daniel Radcliffe's performance as Harry Potter you right. know like it is is just you can't people always say that they're like we're gonna lose like computers are gonna be so good that like we can't tell the difference and we're gonna lose our humanity like voluntarily like we're gonna give it up just because it's so amazing and it's so real and it's like no because humans like other humans like just on a base <laughs> right. we like looking and talking yeah, yeah. to other humans just because if we did it we would all be dead like we like <laughs> right other humans. Yeah, yeah i i think i think that's why like even though clearly movies have this sort of um incredible advantage over sort of live action theater and stuff like that that's why that is a medium that exists i know we're not talking about you know but as a theater man like yeah. I, I you know i talk about that a lot because um we we're because we're such social creatures and it's so nice to like to see even the character um you know interact and stuff like that like in front of us that um i think we will always uh, at some point want um want to see like a real person and mm-hmm. yeah. maybe at one point we won't be able to tell but i think it, it really like um it helps to sort of recognize oh that's that actor or you know um yeah or to i don't know just yeah but well, and it's like the argument is always that like the joke is like humans get attached to their Roombas. Like we like to humanize things. <laughs> yeah, like I think yeah, that's I true. like when you said that, like oh I, you thought talking about like digital like plays and stuff, like I think I thought of holograms and I thought of Hatsune Miku. Like <laughs> nobody true. thinks Hatsune Miku is a real person because she's right. obviously not, but people adore Hatsune Miku. Oh, yeah. It's the, it's, it's the, like, in-person aspect, I guess. Yeah, yeah that... exactly. It's her personality and the way she looks. I feel like that's the mm-hmm. same kind of thing. That if they made a hella realistic Hatsune Miku, I don't think people would like it as much because it wouldn't seem as much like a real person as the cartoon does, weirdly, you know? Yeah. Disney, if you're watching this, please do not. Make a live-action Hatsune Miku. <laughs> I can't take any more. <laughs> Yeah, after Mulan, it's weirdly Hatsune Miku. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the next. <laughs> yeah, we have we and have yeah. uh, live action Mulan, Pope Pinocchio, uh, Hatsune Miku, and then finally our Star Wars musical. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you know, I mean, it's hard to say 
but you know, I still think that we're genuinely a long ways off from having people delivering performances like that that are genuinely indistinguishable from reality. Yeah. Considering that, first of all, the only people who are able to even come close are the largest corporations with the most income they can throw at this problem yeah, and like the most Disney. man hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but although I will say, I am consistently impressed with. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Captain Marvel that like de-aging looks so good I like never once even questioned yeah. how Samuel L. Jackson looks in that movie it's insane yeah. I mean that's that's still just a tiny bit different yeah exactly editing a person versus creating a full person yeah mm-hmm. and like I think that and it even goes to show like something like a building getting blown up which is a completely lifeless static mathematically predictable action that happens in the universe we still can't you can always tell when it's cg still you know which makes me think that we still got a long ways before like human performances are going to be genuinely indistinguishable from reality does that make sense yeah yeah no totally Um, like nature is so hard to animate because it's the not to talk about Jurassic Park again for the 10 billionth time, <laughs> but, like, it, it is, like, that chaos theory that, like, things... There's not an algorithm to a way that a water drop falls or to the way that, like, a house explodes. Like, it's always mm. crazy and random. And, like, the human face when emoting is exactly that same way. Like, yeah. you can get close or simplify it so that you can replicate, like, emotions and stuff. But, like, it's not... It's not gonna look like a person because a person's crazy complicated and can emote... <laughs> in 12 million different ways in a second right. and we can read that because we've been because we're designed to read it but yeah. it's uh. what do you think Adeline if I'm gonna throw this one to you okay obviously uh, War for the Planet of the Apes very well rendered very realistic looking yes, movie yes, yes. especially one of my favorite movies especially in terms of the, the characters the ape characters do you think the movie would be weird if they genuinely and truly were visually indistinguishable from real apes? You think that yeah, would make it better, think, or do you think it would make it worse? I think... I think the first movie would be amazing if they literally all looked like apes. Because could you imagine <laughs> that one scene where Caesar says no for the first time and it's genuinely, truly... <laughs> right looks like a real chimpanzee that would be amazing that's a good point yeah i think the third one i think it benefits from not looking exactly like reality not to say that it doesn't look like it looks it looks really good it does look really good even still like the apes look so good like but it's still like you don't accept it as true reality when you look yeah no and i think that's i think that's just a part of planet of the apes where you have the separation of reality built in where it's apes walking around and talking that's gonna look weird no matter how good the apes look Mm -hmm. so i think it doesn't it wouldn't benefit for them looking exactly like apes if anything i think it would make it weirder if they looked exactly like apes like you Mm -hmm. would relate less to them because it would just be that much stranger yeah Mm -hmm. it's you know you have to wonder when we're gonna get there and when we do, how people are gonna are gonna respond to it, um, yeah. and I, I people think that people kind of try tend... to pretend that 
we're there already, but I really don't think we are. I and think maybe people it's... have a habit of overestimating technology and what technology can do, mm-hmm. it, which is generally a good thing because by overestimating technology, we eventually get there. But like, <laughs> I mean, like the the obvious example is like the sixties. They're like, oh, in the year two thousand, we're gonna have flying cars, and we're like nowhere close to that. But like, even like. Tosh said it's like people thinking that online shopping would replace malls and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like it it's the same as like when like the internet came out or like online dating or like the whole thing with Second Life where people are like people are going to fully replace their lives with Second Life <laughs> and that didn't happen and no one's right. on Second Life anymore. Like I feel like <laughs> people tend to like they overestimate what technology is and how it will affect their life because at the end of the day we like to reach a a normal like we like to maintain a normal and we add stuff to that and we change it a lot but like (laughs) fully replacing humans with holograms or robots or cgi is just way it's just never gonna be fully integrated in the way we. it's just never gonna be fully integrated because we don't we don't like that that's a good take i like that a lot yeah um, I'm smart. Okay. Any final thoughts before I wrap it up? Um, Robot sexy. Robot sexy. K2SO can get it. Can't confirm. Oh, Doesn't Adeline. have as much cake as C3PO, but it good. <laughs> uh, can you check out the chat one last time for me, uh, Adeline, yeah. see if there's anything? Uh, Tosh is leaving, and in her defense, we've been recording for a very long time. (laughs) It's been... Uh, Somebody named Ginger Snap is really worried that someone will touch Hatsune Miku. (laughs) That's Tosh's sister. She's wonderful. Oh, gotcha. Uh, then Tabby said people love Dwayne the Rock Johnson way too much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, uh, would you guys like to hear our one-star review of Rogue One? I kind of don't, but but I'll, I'll take it. So, this... This is uh, a review from Letterboxd.com. This person says, I was given this script, so I would appreciate it if you read it. Uh, By the way, this movie was horrible, and there was only one Death Star. The world we live in. It's so wondrous, mysterious, even magical. No. No, not that world. I meant this one. The smartphone. Each system and program and app (laughs) is its own little planet of perfect technology, all providing services so necessary. So crucial, yet so unbelievably profound. How long does it go? Uh, You would be surprised at how long it goes, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. No, please. Let me tell you. No, Adeline, I'm still scrolling, my man. (laughs) (laughs) This is just talking about the iPhone. Absolutely, it's just the emoji. That's the emoji movie script. That's straight up. Oh, is it really? Yeah, that's straight up the emoji. Oh, fuck. Um, I didn't even know. They got you, Jackson. They got me. They got you. (laughs) Uh, They they got us again. (laughs) I was reading that like it was a goddamn (laughs) slam poem. (laughs) Honestly. And it it felt like it. I thought I was right to do that. I thought this was going to be some Rick and Morty galaxy brain (laughs) asshole talking about how amazing technology is. (laughs) I... Only one Death Star. God. Yeah, no, I'm really hung up on there was only one Death Star because I'm trying to figure out if this person is trying to say that, like, this is a... If they thought that the Death Star in this movie was a different Death Star and they're upset about the fact that they added another Death Star into the Star Wars canon... I think they're making a joke that they're giving it a one star, but they're like, there's only one Death Star. Right. That's another reading. Uh, 
the other reading is that they're like, um, original Star Wars only, oh, not my Death Star. Not like, my, not in I, my uh, Star Wars. Or, no, I like to read it as, there's only one star because... There's only one. Like, if it would have been higher if there had been more Death Stars. <laughs> right, if there had right. been five Death Stars, it would have been five stars. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm Jackson McMurray. I forgot to do My that. My name is Adelaide McMurray. <laughs> is... And I'm Satchel, the guest. Yeah, this is I Donuts swear Alive. to God that the music has been fading this whole time. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll battle no, 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 no,